to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It's a Friday edition of the podcast. I got my headphones on. Maybe it's a headset today, a coaching headset, if you will, because I'm talking to a football coach, a college football coach, a newly titled uh, head coach uh, at Citrus College here in Glendora, California. I call it here because that's where I'm from, my hometown. Uh, we're talking to Brandon Hayashi today a 25-year-old head football coach at Citrus College. Uh, we're going to talk some football, talk about his football journey. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. It's July here. However, this episode will more than likely be out sometime in August as we are preparing for a football season, preparing for a college football season, a football at all levels, regular football. It's going to be great. Cannot wait. So uh, let's bring him on the program to have a long-form conversation with Mr. Brandon Hayashi, very much looking forward to chatting football. I mean, it's it's been a long time since we've been able to do that. So uh, here he is coming to us live from Citrus College in Glendora, California. Head football coach Brandon Hayashi looks like his microphone might be off there, Brandon. Let's see if you can turn the, uh, the video there too. There we go. Come on, coach. Come on, coach. There he is. <laughs> Hey, jokingly, I'm going to tell you right now, this may not be the last time, Brandon, that a, that a referee kind of has to set you straight, man, right off the bat. That's true. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me on. Brandon, welcome to the, to the get home safe podcast. Uh, We, we have never really chatted before. However, we talked off the air that, uh, you know what, our paths may have crossed a, a few years ago, back when you were playing and I was refereeing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Back in 2014, when we played JV. Wow. I can't believe that was seven years ago. I remember the game. Uh, I remember it well because having uh, been from the area, I always liked working at Citrus College because it was close to home. They actually handed you a check when you walked up. It was nice. You didn't have to wait a couple of weeks for payment. And uh, yeah, nice facility. Uh, so yeah, you were, you were a football player back then playing uh, along the defensive line, I'm sure. Yes, sir. I was playing. Uh, I was playing nose and uh, defensive guard. Wow. So, so you don't necessarily. I mean, you've played a lot of football games, coached a lot of football games. You don't remember this. Uh, this short, uh, heavy set guy running around uh, yelling at people. Uh, uh, headlinesman, line judge, whatever I was back then, uh, probably right. But you, you've heard. You've heard. I don't think I remember any heavy set guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's <a> to you. <laughs> oh man. Well. That was a few pounds ago, we'll say. But anyway, yeah, it's it's good to be here. I, I I find it funny that you know the world is so small, Brandon. Where you know you have your connections, I know my people here, but the paths seem to cross. It's one big circle of life, and uh, we know uh, a common group of people, I should say. I first heard you talk on the Pro and Con podcast with Javier Rodriguez and Zach Stiber and Chris Calderon. And uh, I, I was intrigued because I always like talking football. So uh, how exactly do you know uh, Zach and Javier who've all, and Chris, who've all been on this uh, podcast themselves also? 
So I've um, how I met them was through Aaron Murphy, which is my girlfriend. So um, just when I started hanging out with that friend group, I, I believe it was like Colby and all those guys as well that I started getting introduced to. And uh, since then, uh, just, yeah, always hung out with those guys. Awesome, man. So uh, I, I, it sounds like a real Hondo prep alum by by uh, connection, really uh, dating yeah. uh, Aaron Murphy there. Uh, they were all from that same uh, class, whatever year that was, 2011 or so, um, yeah. from Real Hondo Prep. So, how did you how did you meet uh, Aaron Murphy? Uh, literally met her uh, at the trainer's room at Citrus College when I was playing here, um, and it was just funny because she walked in the in the trainer's room. I think she froze up a little bit and she said, "Sup, dog." I was like, "What's up?" <laughs> and she bolted out the door. By the time I stepped out, it was probably like two seconds. By the time I actually stepped out the door, I hear the door shut. When I went to go check to see where she was at to talk to her a little bit more, she was completely gone. Just no nowhere to be found. So I was like, all right. <laughs> and that was our interaction. That is hilarious, man. Uh, the, the trainer's room where, where young love uh, 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 happens. So that's awesome. And, you know, I got to say, there's always pressure on us fellas to come up with something, uh, you know, interesting to say that that first time Aaron just threw it out there and uh the rest is history so uh you guys been together a few years now uh, that's that's awesome to hear Aaron uh, and I know Aaron listens or listens she likes a lot of the Instagram uh, posts for the show and everything are you guys both uh, fans of the get home safe podcast we are um I think she introduced me to the the first podcast I ever listened to was with Bill Lee um and Ever since then, I've pretty much listened to to pretty much everything. <laughs> so I was oh, like, All right. "Wow, that's a scary thought, man!" Uh, <laughs> but awesome <laughs> to hear. No, we have some great great guests on, and and that that, that is really really cool. Got to get Aaron Aaron on sometime. That would be fun. Uh, oh, now, yeah, is she she uh, is she a coach also? She or she was coaching or? Yeah, she is a coach. She's currently a volleyball coach at uh, Glendora High School. Wow. Look at you guys. We got, we got, uh, look at these connections we have here. We have a volleyball coach at Glendora High, the head football coach at Citrus College. Uh, this is, this is really cool. So um, uh, yeah, we'll have to get her on sometime uh, and, and talk with her because I've heard her on the podcast, the pro and con podcast also. And, and she's great. She's, she seems like very uh, natural in front of the, the microphone, if you will. She is. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, those not what. <laughs> Those not watching on YouTube, we got quite a smile there from uh, from Brandon. So, uh, okay. uh, Brandon, uh, congratulations are in order. Uh, you're 25 years old. You're the head coach of a college football program here in Southern California. That is no uh, small accomplishment. That is a big deal. Uh, what transpired here uh, the past year or so for you to uh, get promoted? Uh, and I know you are the interim head coach officially. Uh, what does that mean here in going forward? Um, just, um, I mean, I was blessed with this opportunity coming out of college. Um, I had a head coach that really loved me as a player uh, and coached me up as a player. And he asked me to come on and coach for him. And since then, him and with uh, Tanner Farwell, that's at Glendale Community College, he's a head coach there now. They kind of both built me up. Um and kind of showed me the ropes, and I, I really appreciate that. Um, but pretty much I'm excited uh, for this season uh, to jump right into it and uh, start coaching these guys up. I don't think it's really hit me yet just because uh, <laughs> I've already been used to all the busy work. 
yeah. uh, as far as emailing administrators and doing all that stuff uh, to get the ball rolling with a few guys. And um, yeah, I don't think it'll hit me until the first game till kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been doing a lot of all assistant coaches in, in football, especially there's so many of them. I mean, you're, you got an army of players, really. You're not like a basketball team or something like that, but you got a lot of dudes and a lot of coaches responsibilities with all that. So I'm sure there's a ton of things you have to do behind the scenes as an assistant coach, you know, you're in charge of your guys, the D line and, and, you know, keeping track of everybody, but now Brandon, you're in charge of uh, the entire roster and every single coach as well. So it hasn't hit you yet, but are, I mean, are you aware that you're not just in charge of a, a few defensive linemen? Now you're in charge of an entire football team. Um, <laughs> well, I, the, here's a funny story it was two weeks ago. Um, I think our coach is just on vacation and pretty much I'm the next person in line, um, to pretty much huddle guys up at the end. And I remember walking to the back of the huddle, like I typically do. And everybody was just like, Hey, where's coach Ayashi at? <laughs> and everybody just turned around and saw me and I was like, Oh shoot, that's right. I'm supposed to be up there <laughs> talking to these guys. <laughs> uh, that's That was like my kind of first inter uh, interaction, but honestly, um, I just, the way that I, I, I would like to coach um, is one, I'm going to, the way I see these guys is more of, they're like my little brother, little cousin, uh, just because of how young I am. So my goal is to just teach these guys and give them the, the information that I never had um, or it, to give them the information that I've learned throughout um, this, this time span that I've played and been a coach um, so that I can see these guys do well. Um, but then also with the coaches, um, I don't really see it as this is just a coaching staff. Um, I'm more, I grown, I grew up in a mixed family household, Japanese, Egyptian. And so um, I see it as more of a family and trying to help everybody progress and move forward, um, but also get their careers started um, so that they could learn as coaches, but then also develop young men as well. No, it's a, it's a great answer. And I like the analogy, the family feel to it. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll go that route with you. I mean uh, you know, assistant coaches, I've, I've never been an uncle. I've never been a father, but you know, you go from being an uncle, someone who's, you know, people look up to and okay. Yeah, he's fun. Uh, but you gotta be a dad now as a head coach, you got to lay down the law at times. You are the, you are the, the uh, the the patriarch. You are the guy that's hey hey. Uh, where's the discipline coming from, if necessary? Whereas an uncle can just be like, uh, okay, dad, dad, dad gets to make this this uh, tough call. Yeah, definitely, no doubt. <laughs> so, hope you're ready, man. 25 years old. You're coaching kids that are 18, 19, uh, 20, very similar to your age. Has there been any kind of from players, even when you were an assistant? who kind of look at you like, Hey, you're kind of young or do they, are they more open to you because you are similar to them in age? I think I've all, with the exception of one guy, I think everybody's been uh, more accepting of it just because from the job, I mean, granted, I don't like to beat around the bush. I'm not, I'm not going to be that coach that uh, whispers sweet nothings into anybody's ear and, <laughs> and uh, um, kind of sugarcoat everything. I'm going to be straightforward. I'm going to be honest with guys. Uh, but then at the same time, I'm going to give everybody the same information. I'm not going to just give one guy different information from the other. And I think that's what a lot of the the, the um, athletes appreciated was that I gave everybody the same information and I gave everybody the same style of coaching. 
granted, I do try to see how each player likes to be coached Mm -hmm. so that kind of be more receptive to it um, and they can learn from it. But um, I I don't think I've had any, I can't say that I've really had anybody that said, oh, you're younger than me. Um, (laughs) I'm not. No, I I hear you. And it's, it's interesting too. like the whole concept of guys who played versus guys because uh, there, ha- there are coaches who, who haven't played or didn't play. There's not as many, I would say most coaches are former players. The fact that you just finished your playing career, I think is more relatable to a young man than say a, a coach in their fifties who, uh, who in the, in the player's mind was a guy who played in leather helmets and stuff like that too. Right. So that yeah. connection uh, means something more too. Oh yeah, no doubt. And uh, I think that's what they appreciate too was I was literally in 2018 when I just got done with Montana state. Um, I mean, I'd like to be, give a big shout out to coach Cho. I think he's at the university of Texas now. And then my D line coach uh, he's with, uh, I believe he's with uh, Idaho state. Um, they pretty much gave me an additional um, starting point so that when I got into this coaching role, it just, I literally copied some of it, made <laughs> put it into my own words. I was like, all right, cool. I like where, where this is going and, and just used it. Uh, yeah. I, I used to coach, you know, young kids, uh, junior high and even younger than that. Uh, but I've been around a lot of coaches as well. Uh, I got news for you, Brandon. Well, you know, this, uh, most of the coaching game is copying. It's copying each other, taking what you like, taking things you don't like. So uh, get used to that. I'm sure you are, but uh, just for our listeners out there too. A lot of, a lot of copying, copying going on. Sure. Um, now, what was it like? I remember uh, Ron Ponciano was, you, that's who you're following in the footsteps of, right? Yes, sir. That is him. That's a legend right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, uh, he always told the officials, he always let us know that, that he's coached at every level. And it's like, that's cool. I didn't, <laughs> a- I didn't ask that, but uh, uh, Ron, thank you. Thank you for telling me your resume. I appreciate it. Uh, let's yeah. just talk about, you know, this, this holding call or whatever. Uh, so he was a fiery guy, a fiery, fiery guy. Um, uh, not a chip on his shoulder, just, you know, your typical coach, I think, but what was it like coaching under him the past few years and now taking the reins? Uh, okay. From a player perspective, it was, it, it was way, it was a hundred percent different from when I was coaching. So that obviously like we had to communicate a little bit more. Oh, you more. played for him? Yeah, I played for oh, him. So oh, oh, yeah, that's right. You were at Citrus. Hello. Sorry. Okay. All right. I'm back. <laughs> 2014, 2015, I played for him. Um, and, but the, the coach to player relationship was always great. Like I just understood from a perspective, I came from uh, a high school that was very derived from uh, discipline. So it's like with him, it was okay. Listen to the words that he's saying and, and just follow the direction. And so I never really had an, had an issue with him. Um, and then on top of that, as a coach, it, it was more of like a teaching um, He was coming from a teaching aspect where he would always break everything down for me, um, whether it was during game, uh, during practice, all that stuff. And uh, it, honestly, it's been really great to work with him because he's as much as this, this man has a ton of knowledge and it's crazy. Like the, the, the places he's been in, but the amount of information he's given me and prepared me uh, with that information, it's, it's uh, I'm blessed to have that or to have do that with him. Yeah. And, and all kidding aside, he he's coached a lot of places and a lot of different levels. And when, oh, he, yeah. when he landed at Citrus, you know, he, he, he did good, good work there. 
think we start might have been that Chafee game. I was on the, the sideline. We started the game and like two plays into the game, he started screaming. The only thing I'm not going to tolerate today is is high low is is high low blocks. My guy's getting chopped. That's the, the only thing I'm not going to tolerate today. And I'm going, really? That's the only thing. I doubt that. Let's wait a few more plays, Ron. And and, and you know there was more more after that. But he was a fierce competitor. I'll give him that. Oh yeah, he he. <laughs> I mean, he's always competitive with everything he gets in, himself into. So. Uh, I, this man, he goes hunting. He goes, uh, I think he has trials with his dogs. So he trained dogs and would send them out. So he, that, he was very competitive in that as well. So it's, it's funny to see how competitive he is through football, but then outside of football as well. It's, it's hard for some guys to step away to turn that competitiveness off. That's why I think guys like college coaches, no matter what level, you're, you're constantly competing, whether it be recruiting, whether it be, uh, getting your offseason program, you know, dialed up, whether it be uh, just anything. I mean, you get to the season and you, you're you just ready to, uh, you know, tear someone's head off and beat them, right? So uh, I do think some guys are able to turn it off, but some guys need that fire. They got to, you know, hunting, that's a form of, of competition, just something it's in their blood and their DNA. So that's always interesting. Brandon, before we get into you and, and your kind of story and, and your journey throughout football, what was this last year like? We, we saw Division One football postponed in some conferences come back later in the season. We saw Division One AA push their season to the spring. Um, I think D3, at least out here, was canceled altogether. I think JC was as well. There was talks of playing in the spring. What was it like as a coach seeing your players who, for lack of a better term, they, they community college players need – football they 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 need it in the sense of it's it's uh it's not their last chance but they need it to hopefully get to the next level and continue their career and so when that was just kind of pulled away from guys it had to be frustrating take me through uh the the spring of 2020 going into the fall and then just when everything got canceled what it was just been like to kind of keep a program together um, at first, honestly, it was just like, okay, maybe this is only going to last a few months. Um, it, it's not going to last that long. And so the, the kids really stayed with us. We had, we had a ton of kids that were still with us in the program. Um, but obviously when it started carrying on past, I think it was like three to four months and it got into football season, uh, or through summer. Um, the hard part was these guys, um, just really communicating and not really having a purpose for them to work towards or something, a goal for them to work towards. I mean, granted there, there's a lot of, we had a lot of academic guys that really honed into their academics and they felt that the online stuff was a lot easier than the in, in class <laughs> stuff. So kudos to those guys. Um, but then there was guys where they're just, they're just workers. They like to be busy. They don't like to be sitting down at a computer screen and, and I think the hardest thing was we, we did lose a few guys to the workforce, but granted, Hey, good for them. Like they went out, they got off their butt. They were able to find some type of way to, to work and provide for themselves, for their family as well. Um, because that's some of the guys we had, they're literally providing for their family when things are getting rough and uh, mom and dad were getting sick or, or things of that sort. So uh, I can't really be upset with that. And I don't think anybody should be upset with that when guys are trying to do that. Um, 
but I think the hardest part was getting those guys to lock in and set goals for them. Uh, the main thing I try to tell, tell them was if you guys have ever dreamed about being a pro athlete, this is the time to do it. You guys get to um, learn how to eat, learn how to cook for yourselves. Um, if you guys can, obviously some guys have mom, uh, mom and dad home uh, to cook for them. But then at the same time, you guys have a, we have a really great strength and conditioning coach. Um, I think he was with USC uh, for two years back when I think it was the first year that USC played Alabama. I think it was like two or three years ago. Um, so he's a strength and conditioning coach there. And at, um, I be, I forget, it's a, it's a training facility down in Costa Mesa where he trained a few, I think it was like 28 athletes that were prepping for 2019's pro, uh, pro day and, um, and combine. Um, but he put together a great workout plan for these guys. Uh, and we told them, hey, like right now is your opportunity to really feel what um, pro athletes go through, how they get to just kind of work out. Um, and then what I call get in their bag and, and really hone into the athletic part. And then on top of that, uh, get on top of their schoolwork. But that only lasted for so long, uh, just because, again, these guys, it, it just felt like the finish line kept getting pushed back. So it'd be one day we get to come back, then it gets pushed back again. We keep working towards it, and then it got pushed back again. And then by that time, it was just, it was rough. I know that in a lot of locker rooms, they have that countdown to kickoff, right? And if, say, your opening yeah. game um, is against uh, Mount Sac, uh, the Mounties, and it says, beat the Mounties, kickoff, countdown to kickoff. And this may be like, uh, I don't know, eight months from now, right? It could be up there in uh, January. And it's just this constant countdown so that when guys are in the weight room, it's motivation to see that countdown to kick off and, and things of that nature. Well, my thought was when this kept happening, things kept getting postponed. I'm like, man, that whole countdown to kickoff clock in the, in the locker rooms of all these teams, like you can't even have that up and it keeps getting pushed back. And that's gotta be just frustrating it's easier to go for a goal when you know when you have to achieve that goal. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I talked to Rio Hondo Prep, uh, Coach Mark Carson. It was difficult for them. They were preparing for a season that got delayed and delayed and delayed, and finally they played a three-game season. So, I mean, I I don't know how you guys did it as coaches. Just be like, hey, guys, stay ready. Stay ready. Okay, you know, keep studying. There's no, We don't know when the test is going to be, but keep studying. I mean – that just had yeah. to get repetitive and boring, especially for 18, 19 year old guys. Yeah. And that, the, the one thing that sucked was mi missing that human interaction where we were able to see the kids in person, because a lot of, a lot of our guys, I mean, I don't know if other coaches have experienced this, but um, you can always tell what's going on with an athlete by their, by their body language and they walk in through the door. So you could typically see, like you, you get your happy go lucky kid. That's always in here smiling and joking around, but there are days that they actually show that, Hey, like something's wrong today. And so not being able to see that um, and just only see them through a camera where I think everybody could put a friend up through the camera. You can't really tell how a kid's feeling. They could just be telling you, Hey, everything's good. Everything's all right. Uh, yeah. We got it coach. Yada, yada, yada. But in the background through a computer screen, you can't really tell if that's really true or not. And there's some kids where they are getting their classwork done, but you never know what they're actually feeling be beyond that. Um, whereas some kids, it was pretty blatant that, Hey, 
what's going on with your classes? Why are your grades low? Um, and you can kind of help those guys out. But there's guys that uh, can hide things. And that that's what hurt a little bit was not being able to have that interaction with guys that, that needed it and to actually help them out. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And, and I don't want to, you know, whatever people's opinions or feelings are, are about what's gone on the past year, I mean, to each his own, but I think we can all agree that human intera- interaction is good and, and not being able, as you mentioned, to get the feel of your, your, your student athletes. I mean, these are young men. It's hard enough being a young man at 18, 19, 20. Uh, you're done with high school and now it's like, what's next? And I'm an adult now. And there, there's all kinds of things going on. Uh, it, it's, it's gotta be a challenge and, and for coaches to not be able to be around their, their players and get a feel for them. Hum- I mean, zoom is cool. It's we're able to do this, but yeah, to, to be in the same room as somebody and have a conversation and, uh, body language. I think more is said with body language than the, the words themselves. I mean, yeah. I, I learned a lot of that in officiating and just, interactions with coaches and players like that's really important so uh, I I, it's not surprising to me that a lot of players I don't know maybe washed out maybe said all right I'm not going to keep doing this or moved on but with community college there really wasn't any other option right the guys couldn't just go to another community college because it was the same for everybody yeah exactly and guys don't real um there we did have a few guys that attempted to go to out-of-state community colleges some of them are fortunate to go through tryouts and actually get get in, but it's a whole different world when you leave California. I mean, granted, you get a lot of like, if you're uh, if you're from California and you're a kid that played in California, you get some really good benefits at every single junior college you go to. They're going to give you you. There's a possibility you get um, a very high percentage of guys get two free years of schooling when they come here, and then on top of that, some schools get priority registration. So when kids leave here they miss out on that two years. Um, they miss out on two free years of school and they'll go and pay at another school, but that's only if they go through the tryouts at that community college and make it on the team. And then sometimes that could be even worse because if they go out there and they get kicked off the team or they don't get, um, they don't make it through the tryouts, then they're going to come back more demoralized or some of them, if they're, if they're really, really competitive, they'll just work harder and then try to just wait till the next season. Hmm. So out of, out of state, it's definitely a whole, I know it's a whole new world because you have your prep schools, you have the NJCAA, you have all those other um, JUCOs, but in some areas, it might be the only JUCO in that area or it might be the only JUCO within the state. Yeah. <laughs> and so you, you're going to realize that it's, it's not just you against 20 other JUCOs that you guys could kind of go to in California. Um, it's going to be you going against the rest of the, the state fighting to get a spot on that junior college team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The whole concept of community college football in Southern California, uh, Northern California too. I mean, it's, it's just the whole state is it's its own, it's its own thing, right? It doesn't participate in the national college, uh, J, junior college football playoffs yeah. or whatever that is. Um, it's just its own thing. It's state championship is the best you can do. Maybe if you're voted as a national champ, I know Mount Sac has done that a few times Yeah. play community college. If you can play community college football for the most part in California, I I truly believe you can play anywhere. And I mean that division one level, 
Um, Cause that was what we were always told as officials. Hey, if you can, if you can officiate JC football, in California, you can officiate anything. And there's a lot of truth to that. It's yeah. uh, organized chaos. I remember the first game I worked Antelope Valley college. I went up there thinking, okay, this is just like high school. It's just another uh, football game. And then opening kickoff was like, Oh, this is nowhere near high school. This is totally different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So, uh, so much talent in Southern California um, locally now, you guys recruit probably a lot of local kids. How is it that out-of-state players, how does that all work? Do, do they just seek out schools? Because you guys don't really have a budget or anything to go look at guys out-of-state, right? Exactly. So at Granite, so part of the rules is you cannot make first contact with out-of-state kids. So gotcha. if, if an athlete is genuinely interested in coming to you, um, they have to make first contact with you in order for you to, to contact them back and um, and give them information about your college, but you cannot be actively, you cannot actively seek athletes out of the state and give them the first call, give them the first text. Um, so that's, that's the other tough part, but it's, it's the other thing is you got to be hundred percent honest with the guys when they come out here, they kind of have to have a little bit of money set, uh, saved up in order to live out here because if they come out here and they're, they're broke or they don't have any money, it's going to suck because, we cannot, as uh, California community colleges, we cannot give them money. We can't give them money. We can't give them housing. We can't pay for food or anything like that. So it, it's tough. So if, if, by all means, if athletes come out here and they have um, the resources to do it, then by all means, we'd love to have you. Yeah. Uh, but more than likely, we'll probably get lucky with two or three guys that, that can do it. Well, that's just, you know, coming to Citra, if you come to Southern California, there's, there's, there's community colleges everywhere. I mean, we, there's no, it's nowhere like that in any other state, as far as the proximity, you know, Mount Sac is up the street. Uh, RCC isn't that far. OCC. I mean, uh, Fullerton, I could go through all of them. There's, there's so many options here. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you're not just talking about, Hey, who was a quarterback at Condor high school last year? You know, there's kids from all over the state or out of the country really. And, uh, you know, that brings me to, uh, you know, last chance you was that show on, on Netflix. And that was about football out in Mississippi and, uh, recently Kansas mm-hmm. different than California, but a lot of the things were the same as far as the talent on the field, the intensity, um, for those who haven't seen the show. And for those who, who have seen the show, I thought that was pretty accurate in depiction of community college football. What were your thoughts? Um, I, I, I honestly do think that uh, they depict they depicted um, I, I want to say majority of it correctly. There was a few things that I would like to see more uh, <laughs> from Last Chance U that I feel like wasn't it, it wasn't really represented well. Um, but granted, they did give almost I want to say eighty five percent of how it actually is um, being a junior college player. Granted, those guys were had housing and stuff like that. I think at Mississippi and Kansas. They did one recently, I think, up north. Um, Laney, Laney College, yeah, Oakland. College. Yeah, so that that was a pretty accurate description of it as well, like guys sleeping in their cars. And the, the crazy thing is some of those kids will never tell a coach that. And, yeah, there's some guys that will never tell coaches that they're doing that just because they really want – because from a coach's perspective, if I find a, an athlete that just came out here that is going to stay in his car until he could work and make money to get an apartment. 
I don't, to me, I'd honestly tell him to go home because if you have resources back at home where you could be sleeping in a bed and not sleeping in the street um, and you're going to be comfortable there and it could possibly project you and put you in a better position, I'd rather do that than have you sleep on the street or sleep in your car where everybody knows how crazy it is in the area as of recently with all, uh, I know there's been a ton of gun, uh, gun violence and uh, drug abuse and things like that in this area. So, um, yeah, I just couldn't imagine that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was different in, in the, you know, the Mississippi and, and Kansas for sure. But yeah, the Laney college uh, season was, I thought, okay, that I've been around the Southern California programs. That seems a little bit more like it is out here. Uh, it was interesting. Yeah. It, it's sad, man. It's the last chance for a lot of guys and for coaches, I think for coaches, it seems to be now there are some, some lifelong JC guys that love it. They love that, that, that side of it. But for a lot of guys, it's like, you're getting your start. I mean, you're, you're very young, just starting out. I thought it was crazy seeing coaches in, uh, in last chance you that they weren't getting paid and they had families with them and they were just like, they, they got a, a dorm room or whatever. And that was it. And it was just like, everyone's pursuing this dream. And so in that regards, you respected it. You, you're rooting for all these guys. And, and yeah. uh, I'll say coach Brown, Jason Brown, the head coach at uh, independence, the Kansas uh, episodes, he used to coach at Chafee college. And I know you're aware of that. And I got to yeah. tell fans listening out there, what you saw from him is exactly how he was on a yeah. sideline. Uh, one of the biggest terrorizing guys of all time. He was a lunatic on the sidelines. He's, he's as real as it gets. I think he's the most, <laughs> But I mean, he's the most true person I think I've seen because uh, he actually came to a few of our games and watched a few of our games. So it was interesting to kind of interact with him and talk to him a little bit. But he's definitely uh, a, a funny character, like a cool. He's, he's a cool dude, though. Yeah. Very knowledgeable. But he he is as fiery as he is on TV. Oh, my goodness. I've, I remember he was standing next to me screaming. I'm going, oh, this guy's crazy. And then I saw him on Last Chance You years later. I was like, hey, I remember that guy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Funny stuff. Um, but you make a point there, like coaches coming to games. I think some players get caught up into where they go to school when, yeah. you know, I think you can't hide good players. You can't hide bad players either. But, like, I remember being a citrus. I think that game – with Chafee and Citrus, maybe it was another year. Oh, no, it was another year. It was when they were playing uh, El Camino at, at Citrus yeah. because I think I'm standing there on the sideline, and, and there's Steve, Steve Car- Sarkeesian, who's the, who's the head coach at Washington at the time, and he's just like, hey, how's it going? He was there. I think he knew um, or had a connection to the uh, Featherstone coach at, at El Camino. I don't remember exactly, but, like, my Got point you. is my point is coaches come. Coaches, coaches get out and look, especially – in yeah. Southern California. So they'll find you. Oh yeah, no doubt. And I, that's what I, I honestly, every coach that has walked into our office has like a, a certain trip lined up for him. So every coach that I've talked to that has come through here is literally going to every single junior college. So it's like, it, it doesn't, it, yes, it matters where you go, but at the same time, it, it doesn't as far as recruiting because most likely the same coach that's going to go to another Juco down the street is most likely coming to us too. Cause we're, we're so close in proximity that they could literally just set up a road trip and they could go, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to start off college of the desert, make my way over to probably Riverside first um, from Riverside, go down to Chafee, 
come to Citrus, go to Mount Sac, Mount Sac to Fullerton, Fullerton up to, <laughs> you know, they, they could they could go wherever they want. So oh, it's yeah. like all these JUCOs that are that are in close proximity. No matter where those coaches go, they're most likely going to come to us as well. Yeah. Hey, I, and that's what, man, I, I love the day games at Citrus. One o'clock games get done early. Uh, hey, uh, I think it's that keep that tradition going. I think it gets get your players some looks. Maybe officials are happy working a day game. Maybe not September 1st when it's a little hot, but hey, um, yeah. I like the day games at Citrus. I know APU or, or was when they had a football program was playing at night at, at Citrus. But uh, yeah, one o'clock games at Citrus College on a Saturday. Nothing, nothing too much better from all the officiating I, I've done. It's it's uh, yeah. always a fun place to be. Yeah, in 2019, we had a pretty solid schedule. I think we literally had every – I think we went nine games at 1 o'clock, and then we only had one game at 6. And then this year, because I think, uh, unfortunately, APU's football program got discontinued, um, now our, all of our games are majority at 6. Uh. <laughs> Except the last three games of the season, last four games of the season, I think are all at 1, um, which to me – it's going to be wild because I know uh, if we had one o'clock games around uh, the time we do it, it's going to be like at least 110, 95. <laughs> <laughs> it, w- it was a tough turnaround for officials. Uh, most of us work high school also. So you do a Friday night game, roll out of bed and you're like, Oh, a little sore. All right. Well, the only way to do this is just jump back on the field. But it was nice when it was like four 30 and you're done and showered up and like, okay, Saturday night. Cool. I'm free and and I'm close to home. Yeah. So a quick question. Do you, uh, did you ever work with, uh, cause there is a, a, an official um, it's funny in high school, he was my, uh, my counselor's brother. His name is Brad Claude. Oh geez. Here we go. Yes. I know Brad. Everyone <laughs> knows Brad. If you, if you don't know Brad, he'll let you know that you need to know him. That's my guy, Brad, Mr. Uh, he, I think he's planning a, a mayor run. I just don't know what city yet. He's going to try to be mayor somewhere. I'm kidding, Brad. Yes, indeed. I know Brad Claude. <laughs> no, yeah, he's cool. He actually, uh, he watched me develop as a player because he was coaching my freshman games or he was refing my, my uh, freshman games. He refed my, uh, my varsity games and then uh, refed my junior college games. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool to, to kind of have him follow me along the, the journey. Oh, no, that is, that is a lot of fun when you kind of move up with guys. Uh, or yeah. to see them at different levels. It's just like uh, the development. And, and plus, it's nice to just see familiar faces because even if you're, I don't know, angry at somebody, you still have that like, it's not, a, it's not a true hatred. It's like a respectful disagreement. That's always better than just you know, yeah. yelling at someone for no reason. But anyway, yes, I know Mr. Brad Claude. Um, let me see. Uh, Brandon, let's take a break from, I don't know, JC football, or maybe there'll be more discussion, but let's talk about you uh, since we kind of just uh, hit on that. Uh, where did you grow up? Did you play football as a, as a young kid? I know a lot of kids aren't these days. What was your kind of uh, early, early life like? Um, honestly, my family was not really into sports. Uh, growing up, it was because I come from a very diverse uh, household. Uh, we're Japanese, Egyptian, Somali, and Nigerian. So it's all, I have a giant mix. <laughs> uh, but mostly uh, mostly tied in with the Egyptian, Japanese side. Um, and it was strictly nothing but family and school to start off with. Um, and then 
eventually, I don't know, my fan, my, I think one of my cousins got into Taekwondo and then that became the first sport that, that me and my brothers kind of jumped into, which was great. Shout out to Taekwondo and Hacienda Heights with master Pablo. Cause that, that it taught me a lot because the amount of things that the life lessons that it ended up um, giving me was great um, as far as discipline, respect for your elders. Um, and so th- that kind of was a starting point. And then from there, I went from Taekwondo, baseball, love playing baseball, uh, closer to high school, got a little bored with it. Um, because I, I don't know, I've always been the type of person where I like to challenge myself. It wasn't until the eighth, I think my eighth grade years when I had my first year of football and then f- my freshman year of football got cut short when I went to, um, when I went to Los Altos high school. So I went to Los Altos high school. I broke my collarbone my freshman year. So I really only had three years of, um, high school football and had a really great, uh, honestly, high school was, was amazing because um, the coaching staff, I appreciate them a lot more after hearing some of the things that some of my other teammates uh, went through with their coaches. Um, but we genuinely had um, amazing coaches, uh, Coach Salertiz, uh, he was my D-line coach. Um, he kind of bounced around after Los Altos, went to, I think he was with Workman, had a short stint with Northview and then was back at Los Altos. Uh, Coach Dale Zaiola, he's at Covina High School right now with Kevin Argumoso, which was another, uh, like, amazing person. Uh, coach Yates, still out. Uh, he's our wide receiver coach, still out there at Los Altos. And then uh, Coach uh, Burke, Stephen Burke. Uh, those guys would do everything for us. Like, we went, took visits to USC, UCLA, got to check out their practices. Um, but I think Los Altos was the starting point of – of showing me how to play the game and teaching me the little things. Cause when I went to citrus, um, it was, it was kind of easy. I, I'm not going to say that easy, but it was easy to grasp concept, uh, concepts, um, and then kind of get into film study to kind of develop me as a player. Um, the rest of it was just, Hey, work your butt off, listen to the coaches, do what you got to do and, and have fun with it. Man, that's awesome. Uh, well, I knew there was a, I knew there was a connection here, Brandon. I, I broke my collarbone my freshman year. Also, uh, not fun at all. It was, I don't know, halfway through the season. That is the worst, dude. You're like, oh, you don't, you got to keep your arm in a sling. I got all tight in here, and oh, that was the worst. My only in, uh, real bad injury. I got concussions too, but the broken yeah. collarbone. That oh, how did you do it? I got tackled and landed on like this. Back when I thought I was a tight end, no, I'm joking. <laughs> so back my freshman year, I was a tight end. I went out for a pass. It was like the second game of season. Uh, went out for a pass, and I don't know. I just went, tried to catch the ball, and immediately got hit, and just all the pressure landed on my shoulder, and it and it broke. But the funny thing was, I, I honestly just the adrenaline kind of kicked in, and I didn't feel it for at least one to two plays. And then it wasn't until I like started feeling around. I was like, man, I got this giant lump in my, in my shoulder pad. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> feeling around. I was like, oh, this is broken. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, like, man. It wasn't until I got to the sideline and a coach was kind of feeling it. I was like, yo, this hurts. <laughs> this really hurts. <laughs> and <so> that was, <laughs> it sucked being in a sling, not being able to sleep right too. So, oh man. I'll- 
Yeah. Uh, we jumped right into basketball. I think it was six weeks and basketball stuff happened in like four, four and a half weeks. So I was out there with trying to make a team and broke a collarbone. It was so bad. Uh, Dale Ziola, he was a head coach at Los Altos for a while. Uh, great dude. And he was, he was cool at basketball games. He'd be at the scores table running the clock and you could kind of have a fun yeah. conversation with him. He was, he was fair. He had a good interaction with officials. I'm happy to see he's at Covina high now. He said, yeah, uh, I think he has a really good program building up right now. Um, and I don't know how he does it, but that dude is the, I think he's the master of, uh, of building programs because he, he does a really good job. Oh man. Yeah. And, and I mean, let's be honest, Los Altos has this great tradition, great history, a lot of, a lot of titles uh, when Greg uh, Gaino was there and such. And then there was this, uh, there was this lull really where Los Altos, I mean, they were, they were nowhere near what they once were. And then uh, Dale had, had a big part of that, bringing it, the program back. So, I mean, what is your, uh, you're a proud uh, conqueror, I'm sure. What, it, what is your, uh, thoughts on you know the history of Los Altos football and uh, I guess the, the the current state of the union, if you will. Um, I would say when I first got to Los Altos, I was I was at the very tail end of it. I I was a freshman. They actually pulled me up to varsity my freshman year um, to just suit up for games and stuff like that. And uh, collarbone thing kind of ruined it. <laughs> but uh, I think we went oh yeah we did go zero and ten my freshman year. Oh man! And once that coaching staff um i think got fired uh coach ziola and coach burke kind of stepped up and i think took the took the job and that's when everything started flowing and kicking in a lot better because i think we went nine and four uh literally that first season as them being head coaches the program was completely flipped around like um weight room changed uh switched around there was um we were doing some like pretty crazy workouts um that developed us uh, with Sal Ortiz and then just everything that they taught us being disciplined, being on time to places, um, how to get good reps, how to put yourself in better body position, uh, even through a walkthrough, putting your hands in the right place, uh, putting your body in the right place, um, understand, like actually grabbing all the information that we could. And that really supported us. So having Ziola at Los Altos was was amazing. Um, I think with Coach Brown, he's doing a great job. He's the new head coach that's over there right now. Um, I mean, um, and I think it's a, it's a little tough with COVID because there's a few guys that were slacking. But um, I think that this upcoming year should be a good year for him and his coaching staff, and um, I think they'll they should be able to to do well this season. Yeah, it's a it's an older stadium over there. A lot of tradition. Uh, I am I know I speak for a lot of people when I am uh, say how grateful a lot of people were, especially officials, that they finally went to a, a turf surface. There, I'm not against grass. I'm a bad. I'm against bad grass. And that Los Altos field was rough, rough. <laughs> there, there was a was it my my junior season. I think I rolled both ankles twice. Ugh. That, that whole season, I think I literally had passed on my feet while I was playing. I was <laughs> rolled ankles. So that was that was not the greatest. The nice thing, though, is when it started getting muddy and we could just run power and ISO and all that stuff down people's throats. It was mm -hmm. it was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, great tradition there. I love the the um, the atmosphere there. You know, you got the tents up and the, you know, all the good uh, the good food getting cooked up there. And then Hacienda Heights, it's a fun place to to work a game, uh, game, student section, the band. I mean, it's, 
it, it's nice to see that some schools still have that, whereas there's no atmosphere really at some, some other schools. So I know the, uh, the red, white, and blue faithful there in, uh, at Los Altos uh, are proud of their football team. And it's, it's great to see schools care about football because you've seen this a lot. I'm sure football for a lot of people, the, the schools that even still play it, it's like an afterthought. Now it's something you got to do. It's, and it's like, Football used to be this great moment to bring the entire school together. Basketball is cool. Baseball is cool. But high school football was, was totally, totally different. It was a big event. And if you listen to guys in the NFL now, you ask them about their playing days. Um, almost all of them say, oh, man, Friday nights, that's where it was all at. I mean, you've played college ball also. Do you still feel that way about your playing days? Um, well, <laughs> to be honest with you, Montana State was wild. Um, oh, okay. When I, when I went to Montana State, well, granted, it's like there's only two major colleges. Granted, football in general in Montana is huge. So you go to even NAI, D3, it's going to be like a fun time. But it was nuts going from – well, obviously, the only the only difference was how much more grand it was. Um, like, yes, high school, the atmosphere, the Friday night lights, all that stuff was, was amazing. Um, but you know, like when you play at, I, I played at division one level or division one, double a level, and just even running out the tunnel on what we called was our, our gold rush week, which is the first week. It's nuts. You have horses leading us out mascot back of a, uh, what is it like a, a razor with the, with Montana state flag, there's fireworks popping off and running out the tunnel. Um, you're running through fog and it is just nuts. And the whole stadium's packed, like the whole, uh, like half state of Montana is, is dang near there watching you. So, um, I had, a, I, I really enjoyed my experience at Montana. I got to meet a, a lot of great people there. That is cool, man. Uh, after Los Altos, you, you ended up at, at Citrus and did you have other offers or was it, Hey, I'm going to try playing here local school and hopefully, uh, end up elsewhere. Tell me about your experience at Citrus and how you ended up at Montana State. Yeah, so um, coming out of high school, I, I think I only had one offer. It was to Whittier College. Um, and even then, my dad was always in my ear like, hey, I, I think you could play somewhere better. And I was like, all right. And at one point, I was very cl- I was like this close to enlisting in the military. <laughs> oh, man. I was very close. And li- I think it was three days out from I think signing the papers officially. Um, I had a conversation with my quarterback. He said that he was thinking about going to Citrus College. I, I went online. So for all the, if, we, if there's any high school guys listen to this, you guys can go to any college football site, whether it's junior college, whether it's a D1, NAI, Division Three, D2, they have a recruiting form for you to fill out. It works. Because <laughs> when I went to Citrus, or that's how I got in contact with, with uh, one of the Citrus College coaches was I filled out that form. And I think literally, I want to say 10 minutes later, called me. And I was like, hey, how would you know about us? And uh, it's Coach Pacheco. Coach Pacheco gave me a, a call to come here to Citrus. Um, he's currently at Riverside. But he coached me up well. He, he brought – or first of all, he brought me in um, – during one of the worst times, I think, because <laughs> there's a fire right here um, that closed campus down. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, that's the year that I came in with Larry Cutberth and all those guys, uh, Ben Kane, all those dudes that uh, kind of played at Citrus. And 
it was crazy because I think I was the only freshman amongst um, it was me and Sal uh, Velasquez that was from Bishop Lamont High School were the only two freshmen amongst sophomores uh, during that 2014 season on the defense side of the ball that that got to see the field. Um, and that was amazing because all the sophomores took us under their wing um, and we're all local guys. So it just uh, everybody just brought us in, coached us up as well. It wasn't just the coaches, but it was the players as well, trying to show us the ropes and and teach us a little bit of everything. Um, but Citrus was was amazing because I remember I'll tell you what the craziest uh, story with, with Coach Ponciano oh. was uh, my freshman year. I, I slacked off a little bit. My freshman year, I think my first semester, um, I was more focused about fitting in but also learning and playing football. So, and it was my first shot of freedom, so to say, where it's like, hey, like I can start doing things on my own. And that first semester, my grades are still kind of messed, or my grades weren't bad. Um, I averaged CB, Cs and Bs, mostly Cs. Um, and then um, Ponci, or Coach Ponciano called me into his office and he's like, all right, let's check out your highlight film. Checks out my highlight film. And when I mean, I almost walked out of there crying. <laughs> it, it wasn't close to him saying that you sucked, but he just broke down a list of things that I needed to correct. Um, but then at the same time, too, he pulled up my grades and was like, this is the other reason why your your film isn't as good is because look at your grades. He's like, whatever you do off the field is going to eventually kick into what you're doing on the field. And so ever since that conversation, I think it projected me because I think my freshman year, I went from 23 tackles on the field to 63 the next season. Um, and that was all because I handled more business off the field. Um, and then I, on top of that, I had Coach Pacheco, Coach Watkins, that's at the head coach at San Diego Mesa. Um, they helped me transition some of my schoolwork and how I studied into how I could study for film and prepare for opponents. And so that was always cool was sitting there breaking down film and being able to kind of go through the old school tally marks. And there's some plays where you can see me pointing things out like, hey, <laughs> it's coming right here. <laughs> so uh, Citrus College was an amazing experience. Uh, the professors that I had, um, the administration that I had, and then uh, my coaching staff really uh, projected me to do better or help me get better and develop um, and eventually help me reach my goal was get to a division one school. Um, and it, that wasn't easy. It was slow. Cause at one point I think I, I had a ton of division threes. I had a few division twos and I was actually going to sign with Northeastern uh, state in Oklahoma, just cause I love the coaching staff there. And uh, <laughs> coach Watkins was like, Hey, hold the phone. He's like, we got Gardner Webb uh, D1 out of North Carolina they gave me a call. Um, Eastern Illinois out of Chicago called me after. I think midway through that conversation with uh, – or midway through that trip uh, at Eastern Illinois, um, Coach Cho, uh, he's with the uh, University of Texas now, he gave me a call. Um, I was like, hey, like, what are you doing? Where are you at? I heard you're at Eastern Illinois. <laughs> And I guess he had coached there prior and he just called it out. He said, oh, you're probably here right now. I was like, what the heck? How do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. But um, 
But literally, I think I got home. I think I stayed. I think I was at home for maybe Sunday and then left the next morning, went to Montana and just fell in love with it. Um, and Montana State was honestly, by the time I arrived there, um, just the people there were great. Teammates were great. Um, and then everything that Coach Choate stood for uh, was great, too, because uh, when I went to the other schools, there, there were great people. But everything that that stood out to me was was insane. Like he actually took me out uh, for breakfast and sat down and talked to me and asked me about my goals and um, and kind of explained where the program where he wanted the program to be. And so that was the first school that ever did that, where I sat down with the head coach with a meal and we talked things out for, I think, a solid hour and a half, two hours. So that was that's what caught me off or kind of attracted me to Montana State. That's a great story, man. And Big Sky football is, uh, is, is good football out here on the West Coast. A lot of, uh, well, a few teams. I see Northern Arizona, Montana, Montana State. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Cal Poly SLO is up there. I mean, it's, it's good, good football, some, some uh, fun places. And, and it sounds like the atmosphere environment was, was just incredible. Uh, Montana, yeah, yeah I, you know, I love, I love that area up there. You know, it seems to be a little more and more attractive here the older I get. Uh, yeah. to be up there. So was there any kind of, um, how should we say this culture shock when you go from Southern California up to Montana? I'll tell you what was the, the most difficult part was the elevation. That's about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> going from, I think at sea level to, I think it was like 5,000 to 6,000 feet above sea level. It's like the moment you start walking up like to a flight of stairs, you're like, Oh my God, am I out of shape? <laughs> so that was, that was <laughs> that threw me off guard a little bit. Yeah, um, the, the the big uglies up front struggle struggle elevation. Yeah, you probably were in killer shape when you went down and played other teams. Oh yeah, definitely, no doubt. They they really prepared us for that. There there was a lot of running my first year there at Montana State, so uh, <laughs> we were definitely. Um, but no, yeah, there was a culture shock a little bit just because uh, <laughs> it was nothing but uh, ranchers like hardcore like country dudes that, that one they were they're all cool dudes like they all communicated with you they all talked to you they they, they brought you in so it's kind of cool um and at some point there was people that I just met through class that I think I had a summer job where I was literally working on a ranch and I was tossing hay bales and flipping cows and branding cows and stuff like that and it culture shock for me for sure um but then there was a fun side of it where you could go out to i think flathead lake um but towards the end of montana state though it was crazy because people started calling it los angeles and i was like why do you guys keep calling it that <laughs> and i like what like why i was like why do you guys keep calling it he's like well he's like if you notice there's a lot of people from la that are retiring up here mm-hmm. i was like man i don't believe that i haven't seen anybody from from la or i haven't met anybody from from LA other than the guys that were on the football team. And it, sure enough, I walk into Walmart or Target and people would just like, hey, like you must be from California. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I'm from California too. I just moved down here. And so it was, it was funny. Um, but it, it, 10 out of 10 would recommend people to go out to, to Montana and, and enjoy Montana, uh, whether it's Yellowstone, Glacier, uh, good old Bozeman, Montana to me is a place to be. 
Yeah, so, dude, absolutely. I, and I love that show, uh, Yellowstone. That had uh, I'm sure you've watched it, or maybe you've at least. I have. It. Yeah, it's a yeah. cool show. I know a little, little bit out there, but it's it is. I'm like, I want to move to Montana, wear a cowboy hat, man. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> What's cool about this story, uh, Brandon, is it's like, okay, so you got all these ranchers and hardworking people in in the town up there, and you know, uh, people living their lives, working hard, and then for them. Saturdays watching you guys play. That's like, they're a big deal to them. You work all week. Let me get to the football game. I love stuff like that. That kind of small town feel, even though in your case, it was a ton of people showing up at the game. Yeah, it it was nuts. Um, It was, I can't say the whole town shut down, but it was, it literally, the stadium was every time we had a a home game, it was packed. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of cool. And the way Montana did it and set it up was uh, from our locker room, from our locker room to uh, the stadium was at least a good 200, 200, 250 yard walk. And so it was cool because you would see all the fans right before the game, they would all line up um, on our walk. They call it the catwalk and we would just head over and you would just see all the fans right there. It was nuts, but everybody was gen- like, it was amazing. Like the fans are cool. It was weird. Cause there was one time a kid walked up to me and he was like, Oh, you're Brandon from, and he started listing everything. You're from Hacienda Heights. Your second year at Citrus, you had this many tackles. Tackles, and I was like, "How do you know this? Like, <laughs> like where are you getting it from?" But it it was definitely um, a really cool experience to be up there. Where was your favorite place to play outside of your your home games? Um, uh, I'm assuming there in in your college years at Montana State. Um. The rivalry, so rivalry, rivalry week against University of Montana was always fun, just because it was loud. Um, it was it was very loud, competitive game. Literally, the fans at I think at Missoula sat. They it just almost felt like they sat on top. Well, they 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 did sit. You, and so everything just kind of just echoed down to the field. So that was that was always a fun game. Um. I want to say that's that's pretty much the only place. I mean, um, everywhere else is just kind of like, all yeah. right, cool. Yeah. Stadium. <laughs> no, the rivalry. Yeah, Grizzlies versus Bobcats, a, a big one there up in the state of Montana. Awesome. Um, well, so you have – I'm sorry, you said, you said something? I said happy to say I'm undefeated against the Grizz. <laughs> oh, yeah, there it is. I love it. I love it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's uh, Rivalries matter, my friends. Uh, so we talked about this briefly, but – you play your final football game and that's tough for everybody. I don't care what level it is. It's like, Oh, it's over. Now what did you know right away you wanted to go into coaching or did you think of maybe going another path outside of football? I did not. Honestly. Um, the funny thing is I had teammates. Uh, I had a lot of teammates that said, Hey, I think you're like, there was always questions like, Oh, like who do you think will be the the coach out of this group? And <laughs> Me, one of my other teammates, his name's Tyrone Fanono, which he's actually up in uh, Oxnard. So it's cool to keep in contact with him. Um, and I was just like, ah, I don't know if I could coach. And I, I went through a pro day, did the whole pro day thing. Um, I did kind of decent. Uh, I can't say my 40 time was the best. <laughs> but bench-wise, all that stuff was fun. Um, but after that, honestly, I came home. And I, I was slightly lost. Like I, when I got home, I think I was like, you know what? I just need to get some type of work experience. I went straight to FedEx. I was working with FedEx for a little bit, trying to figure out where I was going to land on my feet. Um, 
And then just out of nowhere, that's when I started having conversations with uh, a few old teammates. And then the head coach out of nowhere was like, hey, uh, how's everything going? I was like, doing pretty good. And sure enough, got the, the D-line coaching job at Citrus. And so since then, haven't really looked back. Everything kind of just happened. Lined up, <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah. Uh, I currently work at FedEx, Brandon. So we have that in common as well. I mean, this is kind of crazy. Uh, so your your Montana State coach reached out to you, or was this a guy at Citrus that wanted to bring you along? Coach Ponciano, the head coach. Oh, yeah. okay, 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 got you. Uh, so he so he reached Me and out. Him, yeah, we kept in contact throughout uh, my entirety while I was uh, at Montana State. Mm. So we all we always called each other at least three times a month, maybe once a month. Yeah. I, I love on- the I love the relationship that continues between coaches and players after they're done playing because just because you're not playing for them doesn't mean they don't they stop caring about you or you know vice versa i mean if someone's had a great impact on you you know you're you're in contact with them and grateful some of my former coaches i mean i just think the world of and and go to for some of my uh, biggest advice uh ask them questions for some of my biggest decisions and things so um well, well brandon you guys start your season september 4th against Chafee College, the Chafee Panthers. Uh, you have a scrimmage, I think, against ECLA here, it says. But um, you guys excited? I mean, Citrus hasn't played in almost two years. September 4th, can it get here quick enough? Yeah, I'm anxious um, because I, I think we really do have a good football team. Like We have a good group of guys. We have a hard uh, – or we have a really good core group of guys that are really working their butt off. This coaching staff is going to be fun to work with um, and work alongside because – it's kind of funny. I think we're all young. <laughs> I think we're all, I think there's only one dude. His name is coach Bob Moran. Um, I think he's the older dude on the, on the squad, the veteran, but I think everybody else is under 28. <laughs> wow. so, it's, so it should be a fun, a, a real fun year. Um, and I, I honestly can't wait. Um, super excited for it. Let's get it going. See, I could see, I could say beat the Panthers for you guys and uh, my alma mater, real Hondo prep who, uh, you know, you, you know, all too well, they, they open against Pasadena Poly, those dreaded Panthers. So uh, uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Uh, this has been a lot of fun chatting with you about just football. It's fun to, uh, although it's fun to talk football, it's fun to, to see and play some coach some football as well. Right. So it's July here. This will be out in August, closer to the season. What, what is the schedule like for you guys upcoming? Have you started full padded practices yet? Or is that upcoming in August? August 9th is our first uh, our first set of practice or our first or when fall camp starts. So we'll be uh, I think it goes three days shells, uh, just helmet shoulder pads. And then after that, you can kind of dictate what you want. Uh, for me, I do shell shoulder pads and I alternate it uh, just so that the shells days guys kind of get a little bit uh, of time to rest the bodies from contact, especially after COVID. So I'm, I'm trying to avoid injuries. Yeah. So. Uh, but again, I can't thank my strength and conditioning coach, Anthony Arguello, enough because he's killing it. I mean, he's everything that he's doing is to prevent all the soft tissue is, uh, issues and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, super excited uh, for it. Um, lately, we've been we've been on campus for the past, I want to say five weeks. Um, and it's the nice thing is we've been able to get our weight room in. Um, and then on top of that, we've been able to transition and get football in and um, and actually coach guys up that actually play football. <laughs> so yeah. we've been on the, uh, doing position work, going through, um, some team scenarios. Um, and that's pretty much it. 
Well, I got this shirt on. It says, let them play. This is uh, from Outkick Out the Coverage, one of the, my favorite sports radio shows. And last year when things were going crazy, it's like, let the player, let the kids play. I want them to see them on the field. I feel so bad for uh, community college players. And I'm excited for them as well to get a chance to get out there and, and do the thing they love. And for you, man, to that, that, that head coach, to be the head guy, you are now. Yeah. But when that, ball, when that ball kicks off, everyone's going to be looking to you. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What do we do, yeah. Coach? You know, are you ready for that first uh, fourth and one uh, decision at midfield? Yeah, I, I have. Honestly, I've been I've sat down. I've gone through different scenarios in my head. Um, I've been able to get. Obviously, I've, I've been able to talk to Coach Ponciano, talk to <laughs> him, talk to Coach Moran because he's seen a lot of football as well. I think he was with a uh, few Canadian football teams and then uh, with a few major colleges as well. Um, but I've been able to talk through scenarios and things like that with them and make sure that <laughs> we're kind of all on the same and, and I, I can make the right decision. Yeah. And, and if it doesn't work out, uh, you were wrong. You were wrong, regardless of uh, if it was the right My decision fault. or not, it's all your fault, yeah. you know, accountability. <laughs> no, I, I, I always say that about football and watching. It's like when a guy makes a decision, just cause it didn't work out, doesn't mean it was the wrong decision, but, uh, yeah. we are, you are in the results business and that's all that really matters so um it's gonna be fun it's gonna be cool man i i don't know uh uh if you've had much interaction with officials before but uh you know they're just people like you and uh, they make mistakes uh like like we all do and and hopefully that uh your your interactions with officials uh, goes smoothly here upcoming uh no doubt, especially uh, me. Me and Brad would always communicate during games if he was on the uh, the sideline nearest to us. So uh, that I think that's about the only communication I had with somebody. <laughs> but it, it's always fun. Brad likes talking to people. You got you got to be kidding me! No way! Yeah. No way! That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, really fun. If there's anything that I could say to to current high school kids right now is uh. I would let them know, make sure your guys' information is on huddle so we can actually contact you. <laughs> yeah. I feel like recruiting recruiting lately has been it, it was tough because at one point there was zero coaches reaching out to anyone. Like zero high school coaches. There's only a few. Like your like the some of the programs like Upland Rancho, Los Altos, uh, Covina. Um, those coaches were a little bit on top of things where they got things organized and were like, hey, here's the, inf- the kids' information. West Covina, but um, I think missing a year of camp for a lot of high school kids sucked because you miss out on the NCSA stuff. Um, you miss out on coaches telling kids, hey, put your information, your t- you can put your Twitter, your Instagram, your phone number on huddle so that coaches can get in contact with them. Yeah, you got to uh, control what you can control, I'm sure, as they as they often say. And um, yeah, if you want to you play somewhere, Someone somewhere is probably willing to uh, to welcome you with open arms. And I know you guys do a lot of local local kids, right? In the San Gabriel Valley, especially. I can't think of a better place to go. Uh, play community college football, then Citrus. Nice stadium, good people, great campus, uh, great area. Lindora, California, my hometown. So, uh, yeah, Brandon, wishing you nothing but the best. I will be – I'll be watching. I'll be watching, uh, you know, from afar, checking out scores and stuff. And uh, maybe we'll have you back on at the end of the football season or during. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, and if there's any point in time you want to come to a game, let me know. I'd love to have you here. 
Oh man, that would be awesome. Uh, a live podcast from the, the sidelines at the <laughs> Citrus College. Well, uh, best of luck. Uh, you give my best to, to Aaron. We got to get her on maybe some volleyball talk. I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm t- talking about with that, but I'm always getting pressured. You don't have any females on. I'm like, I don't, I don't know that many. Like I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> so I appreciate her for her support you for your support. Um, to do the podcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, do, do you have any favorite? Po- I mean, I'm not to put you on the spot, but you said you listen regularly. Do you have any uh, recent f- favorite episodes by chance? The College of Canyons one was a good one back in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think who else? The Bill Lee one, I, even though it was the first one, that yeah. was my because of how I, I just like the stories that he kind of threw out there. So that was, that was cool. Yeah. Uh, but other podcasts I listen to is probably uh, Busting with the Boys. Uh, that's with uh, Will Compton and then uh, Taylor Lewan. Um, just because you get to see the NFL perspective side of things, but then these guys are both goofballs <laughs> in the respect. So it's kind of yeah. At the end of the day, everyone's just everyone's just people, and it's about working with other people. So, uh, yes, Brandon, sir. beat the Panthers. Good luck to you, man. Go Owls, and uh, congratulations again. Seriously, twenty five years old, head coach at a, at a college is uh, something you should be proud of. I know your, your family and, and Aaron and all your friends are very proud of you. So we'll be watching. And thanks again for being a listener to uh, the get home safe podcast. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Appreciate you and love the work that you're doing. Keep it up. All right, my man. Thank you. Good luck. We'll be t- talking soon. Yes, sir. Bye now. What a pleasure that was chatting with Brandon Hayashi from uh, citrus college, a head football coach. I'm excited. I'm ready to uh, put a chin strap on. Well, I don't think I could play much at all these days, but uh, maybe throw the stripes back on, get out and work a game. I don't know. College football is great. No matter the level, whether it be USC, Alabama, Citrus College, Mount Sac, doesn't matter. Football's football. And for those who've never been to a community college football game here in Southern California, I encourage you go out, check it out. Good, good, good ball. Great athleticism. Uh, good coaches. Just everyone just playing the game to play the game, right? It's not front of huge crowds or anything, just enjoying football. So good luck to the Owls, the fighting Owls of Citrus College. Take Hopefully take down the uh, Chafee Panthers here upcoming on September 4th. But until then, wish them uh, the best of luck in their preparation. And thanks again, Brandon Hayashi, for sitting down with me and having a fun, fun conversation. I continue to look for more great guests, guys. Uh, all serious, all kidding aside, um, so throw some names my way. We'll try to make it happen if possible. If I can uh, find the time to do this, I'm trying to stockpile these. This is this is recorded in late July, but this episode will probably be out in August sometime. So trying to piece them together so that we stay ahead of the uh, ahead of the game, ahead of the schedule, if you will. And uh, looking forward to chatting with more people uh, from all walks of life. Hopefully, some more fun episodes here in the near future, especially on Fridays where we talk to. Uh, to somebody, a new long, a new conversation with a long form interview. Thanks again, Brandon. That will wrap up today's episode of the get home safe podcast. Hope you will join us next week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for more sports talk, current events, just anything really. Uh, and hope you will uh, continue to like subscribe, follow the podcast, wherever you can social media, YouTube, various uh, places to listen. So Uh, That will do it for today. Guys, have a wonderful weekend. The football season is almost here. I can taste it. It is so, so close. Can't wait for it. But until then, guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. (music) 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. We know we have a lot of loyal listeners out there, but we always want to keep people informed of the many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. We have various social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. There's plenty of ways and options to listen to the Get Home Safe Podcast. Anchor helps distribute our podcast to places like Apple, Spotify, Google, and many more. We also have a YouTube channel that is brand new for us. Not a whole lot of content on there yet, but we're going to try to put out more and more video episodes in going forward, as well as short clips here and there regarding uh, big events that happen uh, over the course of time. So lots of options out there, guys. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, offer uh, some suggestions or content uh, topics, or uh, just ask us some random questions. We always appreciate that. I know Bill Barnes does, especially on Wednesdays. So uh, looking forward to continue to bring you great episodes here on the get home safe podcast on mondays wednesdays and fridays guys have a great rest of the week and as always no matter what you're doing whether you're out on the town or around in third base get home safe